RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Last week on Mission Log Live, it was Mission Log Live. What does this week have in store? Stick around and find out. I'm Ken Ray, and John Champion is still way far away. He's like Carmen Sandiego. Where in the world is he? Nah, don't worry about it. He'll be back next week, so rest your head. Uh, hanging out with us this week in his place is Jarrah Hodge, one of the women at Warp right here on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Jarrah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Ken. It is a pleasure to be joining you from Ottawa tonight. Nice. Ottawa, I'm going to ask you now because I'll forget later. Have you been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have on my road trip from Vancouver to Ottawa. Uh, it's pretty great, although kind of sad that now um, the Trek Cetera Museum has moved and then is probably, I believe I heard it was closing. Um, so that leaves sort of the museum in the gift in the visitor center. Um, so that is sad. Um, but uh, hopefully they will they will find a new home for some of their stuff. That's weird and surprising to hear because uh, Canada, actually, uh, the country, apparently tweeted the other day about the fact about Vulcan. They were like, hey, yeah. did you know there's a place called Vulcan? And they had a picture of the thing and all this stuff oh. with the, you know, the Enterprise right in the middle. It's like, yeah, the uh, city council uh, actually just uh, bought new uniforms for their oh, council. Nice. They've, they've been buying Star Trek uniforms since the town sort of re rebranded itself as the Star Trek town. And um, they uh, they were called out as. Um, you know, like a, a waste of taxpayer money. And it was like $4,000 for like 10 costumes. I was like, that's a pretty good deal for costumes. Well, not only that, but I mean, it, like, yeah. people show up for that, right? Exactly. I mean, and that's what they said. They said like, this has brought more business to our town and more revenues to our town than anything we've ever done. And that people are going out of their way to have, be photographed with us when we're at municipal meetings and that kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah I know I'm, I'm all for it. If you make $5,000 in one year in the gift shop, you've already made a profit. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 Anyway, thank you very much for being with us. We'll, we'll have more uh, non-Vulcan Alberta, Canada stuff coming up. Just like last week, by the way, Jara is not here as a guest exactly. She's here to be part of this conversation uh, that we've been having around Discovery all season long. Uh, this week, it is the 11th episode of Star Trek Discovery's second season, Perpetual Infinity. What's really going to set up our conversation, of course, is you. Now, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. You can join our Zoom meeting from our Facebook page. You can use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can use the phone the way kids used to use phones, like a phone. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. What did you think of Michael Burnham's mom? What's your take on the Terminator-esque Leland? Do you have any idea how this whole thing's going to end Bring your questions and comments to the table. Please join our Zoom meeting. Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 669-900-6833. Saying hello to everybody in the chat room. Wow. Yeah, I I got nothing. I'm sorry. It's my eyes. I assume that there are people there. And hey, everybody in the chat room, thank you very much for being here. Um, It's probably a Bob. There could be a Bob. Is there a Diane maybe? I'm not looking, so please don't be offended. I just... Don't have my glasses on. Uh, let's talk about what's coming up. Uh, first of all, there is a thing that we have been doing for a bit. I, I asked you guys to sort of go to our GoFundMe page and support the fundraiser that Scott Palm is doing, that we're doing for Scott Palm. And you really showed up last week. Thank you very much for doing that. 
Um, originally, it was going to be a March thing, but we haven't quite made our goal. So we're going to push for like another week or two. Uh, if you don't remember, for years, Scott has used Star Trek stories uh, to teach caregivers how to work with people with disabilities, as well as teaching bullying prevention, giving presentations across the U.S. and doing that. Um, the thing is, it's not free to do that. And Scott's needs are a few. I mean, first of all, there's there's the programming, uh, there's the equipment, there's the travel. And then there's the fact that Scott has cerebral palsy. And so in going and doing all this stuff by himself isn't necessarily something that's so easy to do. So he has um, he has a guy named Forrest who goes along with him. And basically what we're looking to do is we're looking to raise some money, you know, so that he can keep doing the good work that he's doing. So if you would go to our Facebook page and there is a GoFundMe uh, link at the top of the page. Um, and that will help Scott uh, continue uh, the work that he's doing. And that would be fantastic. So uh, facebook.com slash mission log pod. Look for the link at the top of the page. And that's where that be. You can read more about that. You can read more about it at the GoFundMe page as well. And then if you can do, you know, a lot, a little, anything, even, even if you can't give any money, just, you know, sh- share that to your Facebook page and, you know, maybe somebody else can. Uh, I'm truly inspired by the work that Scott does. And if there's anything that we can do to make it, you know, go smoother, go better. It'd be great if you could help out. Uh, there are other uh, events coming up. Uh, let's see. We've got the special secret thing going on next Thursday, the 11th of April, in the Sansar Theater, in the Roddenberry Theater, excuse me, at Sansar. So it's sansar.com. You go there, you set up your account. And then Thursday night, the 11th of April, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, you can uh, you be part of this thing, which I'm still not telling you what it is. And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. It's just John's been traveling, Rod's been traveling. And there's this one technical thing that still has to happen. I don't know if it's happened yet. If it works out, it's going to be really exciting. And if that doesn't work out, we'll have something else exciting. I just can't tell you yet what exactly it's going to be. Uh, This time next Tuesday, we'll definitely be able to tell you. And then this time next Thursday, week after next Thursday, the 11th of April. uh, Something exciting going on there. So circle it in your calendar. Uh, Sansar.com, the Roddenberry Theater in Sansar. Uh, we would love to have you there. Jara, you and some of the other women at Warp also have some stuff coming up. Yes. Next up, uh, my co-host Sue and I will be at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C., which is at the end of April, the 23rd to the 25th, I believe. And um, she will be on a panel on Discovery Season 2. And I will be on a panel called Not Your Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which will be looking at new uh, representations of women in genre media. And as well, both of us will be on a panel on what we can do to address uh, toxic elements in fan culture. So that will be fun. And if um, we don't have the exact dates and times yet, because they're still nailing down the schedule. So uh, keep an eye on the Women at Warp social media, and we will share that all there. Very cool. And then you've got something else coming up in May as well. Is that right? Yes. I will also be at Ottawa Comic Con in May, where I will be hosting a panel on uh, the evolving roles of women in Star Trek. Very cool. Now, I, I want to say really quickly, uh, last week we had Larry Nemechek on. We teased the fact that we were going to be doing a panel this past weekend. We panel this past weekend. Um, and what was really cool, actually, was in the audience, not part of the panel, in the audience, uh, B. Joe Trumbull. Just, you know, hanging, hanging out at the panel and then hanging out afterwards, which was kind of awesome. And it wasn't like, you know, then we went back to the secret room. We all sat around and talked. She was like stood in the hall with us and talked for like another hour afterwards, which was a uh, tremendous. 
Um, not sure that the audio that we got off of that is going to be something that we're going to be able to turn around because unfortunately they didn't have a mic in the audience uh, for any questions. So I'm going to give that audio a listen see if there's something that we can pull out of it. Actually, well, see if it's something that we're going to be able to use. If we can drop it into the mission log feed uh, as a supplemental. One other thing really quickly, and this is kind of interesting. You guys may remember that about a year ago, or a little bit less than a year ago, we had Dana Gould on the show. Uh, this past week, uh, Dana Gould dropped the most recent Dana Gould podcast featuring John and B. Joe Trumbull. So if you want to listen to that, Dana's show's weird. It's called the Dana Gould Hour. It's usually about three hours long, but you know that means it's really in-depth. And you get a bunch of other stuff. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he does even a more in-depth thing about saving Star Trek in the middle. I haven't listened to it yet, so I can't say. But um, the Dana Gould Hour is a podcast that's available everywhere podcasts are. And uh, this week, John and B. Joe Trimble. So uh, do be sure and take a listen to that. Time now for the poll. Last week, have we seen the last of Leland was the question. It was a silly question, wasn't it? Uh, oh, gosh, I hope so. Percent? No, 83%. Huh? Well, no, this was last week. So this was oh. for this week. You know, we haven't seen the last of them, though, right? Sorry. Because <laughs> I jumped ahead. <laughs> quite all right. Quite all right. Uh, we do have a question this week as well. Uh, we considered a few uh, gut check. This is the question we finally came up with. Gut check. Is Tyler still Tyler? Just two answers. Yes or no. So far, 80% of people say yes. Tyler is still Tyler. 20% say no. Uh, our good friend Earl Green did have a funny comment. Uh, if Tyler is no longer Tyler, does that mean he's been revoked? Oh, yeah, see, nice. it's funny. Earl Green, everybody, oh. one show weekly. Be sure and tip him as you pass through. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you want to? Do you want to weigh in, Sue? No, uh, Sue, I'm sorry. Jarrah. We talked about Sue earlier. I'm so sorry, Jara. Okay. My apologies. Um, so yeah, um, I I really hope not. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not the biggest Tyler fan. Wait, wait uh, you hope not. Which I'm sorry. You. Oh, hope I hope. Is? Sorry, I hope that the idea that he might not still be Tyler is wrong. Okay. Um, because I can't handle three personalities overlaid and mm -hmm. I'm not really sure the show can either. I'm not the biggest Tyler fan. Um, so I guess the, the most I could say is whatever happens, if it convinces him to like cut and wash his hair a little, I'd be down with that. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm curious what other people think about that as well. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. You're getting a big laugh uh, from Earl in the control room, by the way. <laughs> Nobody can hear it, but he's like rocking back and forth. So <laughs> well done. Uh, of course, you can also use the one tap from your smartphone or you can uh, use the link from our Facebook page uh, to join us, which we would love right after I do the recap, which if you'll stand by, I will do right now. Waking from her actual death experience, Michael Burnham is surprised to find that seeing her mom was not a hallucination. The Red Angel is her mom, and she's been caught. Cool, let's go see her. Well, we can't now. She's sleeping. But here are 841 of her mission logs, so that'll <laughs> give Michael something to do. The first one, seeing her mom escape the attack by the Klingons that everyone thought had killed her. While she'd only meant to travel one hour back in time, she's actually stuck 950 years in the future. Able to make short hops to the past, but yeah, her now is 950 years later, 
after control has wiped all sentient life from the galaxy. And that's a problem. Holding her in discoveries now is causing a bit of a tug of war with the space-time continuum. They've got an hour or two before the universe wins. Pike decides it's time to wake Michael's mom. Without walking, uh, without waking her, though, we find out that she moved the red blobby thing into Discovery's path. Her hope was that Disco would be able to keep the AI data safe and out of the hands of control. When she's finally awake, Gabrielle Burnham is ready to talk, but only to Captain Pike. She doesn't want to see Michael. Despite Michael's pleas, Pike says no. When they meet, Gabrielle's upset with Pike for deceiving her, for keeping her here. What she wants is for Pike to delete the Red Blobby Thing's archive and let her go back to trying to fight the future. Deleting the archive is the only way to stop the AI from wiping out all sentient life. Saru's against it. Burnham's for it. See, she says her mom likes facts. If she wants to destroy the archive, it has to be the right thing to do. Pike agrees, and he orders it. Though when Saru goes to delete the archive, the archive blocks it. It's protecting itself. One weird thing came up in the conversation between Pike and Gabrielle. She knows nothing of the signals Discovery's been chasing. That seems odd to Michael, and she thinks that she's the only one who can get to the bottom of that by talking to her mom. Pike relents and lets her go. Burnham's mom's not happy. All she wants is to know whether the archive has been destroyed. Hearing it has not been, she just wants to be let go. It's not that Gabrielle doesn't want to talk to Michael, but seriously, she's got a galaxy to save. There's only the bigger picture now, nothing else. So Discovery comes up with a plan. They'll transfer the data from the red globby thing to the red angel suit, then send it far enough into the future that it can do no harm. And they'll find a way to keep Gabrielle here. Something controlled Leland doesn't want to have happen. Right. We haven't talked about him. Uh, let's see. Um, control is going to need a body. Leland's body. And with that, Leland is filled with nanotech, giving control control of Leland. Now he's got a head of steam. Controlled Leland starts working to convince the 31 crew that the Gabrielle Burnham being held by Discovery is not the real Gabrielle Burnham. He says he's worried that she's an agent of control, so he wants Tyler to steal the data control was after from Discovery. Eventually, Tyler says he won't do it. When controlled Leland hears of the plan to send the red blobby things data to the future but keep Gabrielle Burnham, that's when he says that can't happen. So he sends Giorgio to steal the data Tyler wouldn't steal and screw up keeping Gabrielle in Discovery's time. Giorgio gets on it and has a sort of sparring conversation with Gabrielle in the process. Something Michael's mom says, though, makes her realize that Leland is under control's control. She contacts Tyler on the Section 31 ship and starts to clue him in on the trouble with Leland. She also stops the data transfer Leland was stealing. When Tyler gets to Leland's quarters, yeah, he is straight out of the Terminator. Fighty, fighty, stabby, stabby. Controlled Leland leaves Tyler for dead, which is dumb. He's apparently never seen hang him high. You don't leave a guy for dead. You get the idea. Tyler contacts Pike, warning him against Leland. Leland, who's beamed down to the planet to restart the data transfer and make sure that Gabrielle does not stay in Discovery's time. And it's shooting and it's fighting. And in the end, the sad goodbye. They have to let Gabrielle go back to the future. Let the Red Angel suit slip from Leland's grasp. 
they destroy the containment field holding the Red Angel, and in a moment, the suit and Gabrielle are gone. And it's four to beam up and torpedoes destroying the facility that should have destroyed controlled Leland, except he got away, apparently, beamed up, cloaked the 31 ship, and took off. The good news? Ash Tyler made it to an escape pod. That is good news, right? The end. It's not good news. Now we have to see him. He has to recover from the trauma. We're going to see him tying more knots. (laughs) Reminiscing about boating. Oh, man. That's the only way he can can do that. Although, if he gets to visit uh, Admiral slash Counselor Cornwell, I'm down for that. Interesting. Yeah. I like senior counseling. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And also, I like that there are more ways that you can get treatment for issues on Discovery than just by knots. Yeah, that's... See, it's interesting, though, because I kind of felt like... I mean, I don't know if you saw last week's episode or heard last week's episode of Mission Log Live, but I really felt like what she ended up cementing for Culber was kind of like... was just short of a hang-in-there kit and poster. And it was oh, very, yeah. I mean, it, it's neat to see her in a position of, oh, this is something else that she can do. Um. And I know that Discovery is not a, it's not a talky show unless, you know, they're on their way to something else or unless they're carrying guns someplace else mm-hmm. or that, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah. If we got real counseling out of her, that might be kind of an interesting thing to say. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think that the actual substance of what she was saying was mm, challenging. Um, the, you know, basically you choose, you can just choose to love. Um, not sure about that. Um, all, but also, um, it's you know, maybe an issue to go to like the person even above your uh, usual commanding officer to get therapy. Like the power relationship there is a little bit challenging. Um, that said, I just think has have been like all season. Man, Discovery really needs a counselor. So I'm I'm kind of grasping at what we got. Yeah, Discovery. Well, definitely needs a counselor, or they all need to put in at that place that Spock broke out of. You know, just just for a little downtime, maybe just to be able to process a couple of things. Like they've never even really dealt with um, Lorca. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, they're running mm-hmm. on a, they're running on what they're running on. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can use the uh, link in the Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod. I'm not sure which one of those Vice Admiral Erickson has done, uh, but he's done one of them because he joins us by video. Uh, good evening, Vice Admiral. Good evening, future Admiral. How are you? <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> haven't even survived the first round of initiation yet, but uh but Oh, we'll... you did fine. You did fine. Oh, thanks. What's on your mind, man? Well, uh before I say anything, I'd like to mention something that some of the chat have and I'm sure most people here have known and that is uh that we lost Vonda McIntyre uh, on the 1st, who of course wrote the novelizations of several uh, several Trek books and several original books as well. Hmm. So May she rest in peace. Beyond thank that, yeah. yeah, thank. Well, I'm, I I will be completely honest with you. I am I'm sort of like I spend my days in Apple News, and then I spend some time prepping for this show. So that was actually sure. something I missed. But thanks for uh, uh, thanks for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. What else is on your mind tonight, sir? Well, the uh, I suppose I'll start since uh, I get to be first tonight. The uh, prevailing theory from 
the last couple of weeks, of course, is that uh, somehow Discovery is attempting to do some kind of Borg origin story on Discovery because of the nanoprobes and the black lines under the skin and all of these things that sort of resemble what happens when the Borg we know and love from the future are doing their assimilation techniques. I'll be honest, that was actually a poll question that Jarrah had suggested. Is this okay. a Borg origin story? And I... I don't, I don't think know. it is. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell us. Okay, so... Uh, I actually well, wanted to know, should it be a Borg origin story? Oh, should well, it be a Borg? No, I think that's... And I think that's probably why. I think, is it? I might have gone for, should it be? Mm. No, right? <laughs> right. It's got elements that we know are are obviously calling back to that. And I'm sure if we give it some, you know, headcanon thought, we'll know why. But... The Borg, uh, as far as we know, have been around since the 15th century CE, and they go well into the future. So I'm not sure how it could fit here into this piece of the timeline in any way, other than that the sphere obviously would have, if it had ever encountered them, had some knowledge of them and control, therefore, could have some of that knowledge. But Yeah, here's one of the problems. I mean, it seems to me, I mean... Artificial intelligence run amok is an old science fiction idea, right? I mean, that's sort of what Landru was in a way. Uh, it is so a trope, old, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's an old Star Trek idea. It's an old, uh, it's an old science fiction idea. So just because something is similar doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be the same thing. I mean, go to um, the red blobby thing is is uh, somewhat reminiscent of Voyager. Um, I'm sorry, Voyager. Voyager, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So not, I don't, I don't know. I, I really. <laughs> I think there's there's room to tell like a sinister AI story that isn't the Borg and is maybe even like more topical to our time. Like the Borg were around like the early days of the Internet. And now we're dealing with, you know, um, like AI development in terms of bots and um, like taking on personalities and inserting into our lives in more of that way. Um, I think that they can do that, but if it goes to like, oh, and this is how we made the Borg. Surprise! Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, mean, I think that there's uh, there's certainly a lot there. Like I said, there's a lot there that looks like that's it, but I would hope that it's only tangential. It's only, you know, throwing us off the scent. There's a little red herring in the components of this that are very Borg-like. Mm-hmm. Maybe to make us think they don't have any creativity about it, but I think they do. Hmm. What else is on your mind tonight, sir? You're, you're bumming me out with this Borg talk. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> well, beyond that, um, uh, let's see. Lots of things. There's, uh, um, I'm trying to think of something that would be topical other than the Doctor Who wedding I was at this weekend, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> A particular doctor? I'm sorry. I'm curious. <laughs> no, we had tables with, with every doctor represented. There was uh, um, a lot of video pro- presentation. We had some co- a lot of cosplay of uh, various folk. It was uh, uh, the gr- bride and groom did very uh, um, uh, doctor and river sort of things as part of the wedding ceremony. It was quite quite nice. That's kind of cool. This is not a Doctor Who podcast, no, but no, I will, I say, I will say no. I will say really quickly when I was at uh, WonderCon this past weekend, there was a guy who was dressed as every doctor. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, I know. He had, he seriously had uh, tons of sonic screwdrivers and he was wearing one thing. Like he had the long scarf. He had Matt Smith's fez. He had, I mean, I can't remember everything off the top of my head now, but he basically, he ran the gamut uh, just as one guy. 
Nice. I mean, I'm right in front of my Doctor Who part of my collection right now. <laughs> well, this was such a con-like wedding that the fire alarms went off right in the middle of it. So, oh, oh nice. Yeah. Well, well, you go to enough cons, you know that that's required. So, they should have changed them to say "extinguish, extinguish." <laughs> that would have been perfect. perfect. Anything else on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I think at the moment that's good. Although I have to say, I hope uh, I'm going to keep bugging you and and uh, and John to come out to something this year. So cool. Uh, talk about that off time when we have a chance. Although I'm working on I'm working on Starbase Indy for you guys. We can work on that. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, um, you know, um, John's back next week, so hit us both up, and we'll you know we'll come up with a good excuse why we can't make it. Yeah, people want to see you. People want to <laughs> see you together live as often as possible. So. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Thank you very much for going in, sir. And, uh, and, uh, and do give us a call back. I always will, Ken. Thanks. Thanks. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone or you can uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod. And there's a link right there. And you can join us. Uh, just like uh, Egan has. Egan is up next. Oh, I can't hear Egan. I don't know if Egan has muted himself or if we've muted Egan. There we go. We should have about e- that. Oh, there we go. Hey, Egan, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I just saw a couple of things. Um, one directly related, well, indirectly related to tonight's episode, and then one like a general Star Trek thing as I bring in this week's pillow. <gasps> nice. Love it. Very cool. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Worf, right? That is Worf. <laughs> yeah, well done. I'm unfortunately now out of pillows. So uh, that'll be a problem in the future. Um, uh, So did I miss something? These might be quick, by the way. These might be more questions than like conversation starters. Uh, What did I miss? The Red Angel has been saving Michael Burnham. It's it's, uh, her mom. Uh, Why did it save the church with people in it way in the past in New Eden? Another good question is how? But I I don't know. Uh, Jared, did you have any thoughts on that? I wasn't sure whether I just missed that that was maybe the class M planet that she was hanging out on later. I I thought that was Earth. uh, Didn't she call it Terra Lysia? No, that's that's actually what you see. Okay, yes, I believe she said something along the lines of which is what they call my planet. So I believe she Uh, took the people from New Eden to Terra Lysia or whatever. Terra Lysia, Terra Lysium, something uh like that. uh, Took them there. I've always been curious how she got that number of people out of there as to why. Um, that's, that's a great question. I, part of me wonders if it's like an ancestry thing. Like if there's somebody in that church that was that her needs to survive. Family. Yeah. To make yeah. her and then Michael Burnham. Yeah, maybe, but mm-hmm. I was wondering if I missed something or maybe it's coming up still in a future episode. I don't know. It seems like they answered why, you know, she was saved by the, from the creature. And then, you know, there were several different things that seemed to be answered, but this one yeah. has been lingering for me. There's a honestly, there's a sadness and a horror about what is happening with her mom that I kind of wish they had or that they had paid a bit more attention to. There's no way that she can know that Michael Burnham is about to die each of those times unless Michael Burnham dies. Mm -hmm. And she actually did say, I've seen you die a hundred times and I'll see you die a hundred times more or something like that. That's 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 
Well, that's discovery level trauma. Honestly. You may have to do it several times each time. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is, um, yeah. Like, how did she find out that Michael Burnham died there? It would be cool to do like a, uh, what was that episode from Next Generation way back when? Data's Day? Like do a, do a mom's day and how she, you know, the, the, the red angel day, if you will, and how she has to like. That's uh, an interesting uh, idea. Yeah. Or it's Groundhog also- Day, you know, the, the saving every time or something. That would be really Groundhog cool. Day or what was that Tom Cruise, um, Emily Blunt, uh, the live, die, repeat. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that, uh, that movie was much better than I expected it to be just because it sort of dealt with that as well. That the horror yeah. of having to live that over and over again. Yeah. I wish they had played with that a bit more. I got to yeah. ask. Go ahead. I was no, just going to say, I feel like it goes towards explaining her reaction to Michael at the beginning. First of all, like, I don't want to see you because this could end badly. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to basically try to reject you. But I think that I didn't really get that until after I'd watched the whole thing and then gone back. The, on the face of it, you don't really know that necessarily that's what she's been through. And so it just feels kind of... Like maybe she's trying to angle at something or is she under someone's influence or I just wasn't really clear what her motivations were behind not wanting to see Michael and then approaching her like, I don't even want to talk to you. I I basically don't want anything to do with you because um, I have more important to deal with. Let me go back. Yeah. Um I, I got to say, maybe it's because it's the kind of science fiction that I love. That was actually the first thing that I thought when we found out it was her mom. Mm-hmm. Is, is like, there's no, because unless she's like seriously has like some sort of transponder on her, she mm-hmm. has to hear that her daughter has died. Yeah. Yeah. That's every time way. before she can go back and stop that. Although if she can do that, why doesn't she just go back and stop the Klingons from killing them? But, you know, that's a whole other thing for, for a whole other thing. Uh, what, what else is on your mind tonight, Egan? Uh, one more uh, qu- question that's probably quick. Uh, and this is the general Star Trek one. Um, so we know there's many, lots of Star Trek coming up. We have, let's call it Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. We have what we know named Star Trek Lower Decks, which is animated. We are pretty confident that Star Trek Section 31 is coming. Mm-hmm. And then they did sign somebody to do what will be a Starfleet Academy kind of thing. I haven't heard anything lately about the one that they kind of mentioned first, which was kind of a Wrath of Khan series or a mini series. Did that fall by the wayside? Did it go away? Are we just hushing it? Like, do we know? The, the last rumor I heard about that, and maybe you've heard something different, Jared. The last rumor I heard about that was that it was basically backburnered. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but I kind of heard that it was, um, for whatever reason, it was not something they were pursuing. Okay. But I, yeah. that was like, I think I heard that actually on priority one. So I mean, that's no inside knowledge or anything like that. I think that's just yeah, the scuttlebutt initially was that's going to be the next thing. And now the scuttlebutt is that's not on anybody's uh, radar. Yeah. that's when you, have, a, when you have Nicholas I, Meyer on your writing team, right. It seemed to make sense. So. Mm. Yeah. That, that would have been great. But yeah, if, I think it might have actually been an interview with him where he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that anymore. <laughs> Which is sort of everybody's mm-hmm. side. And okay, well, that's not, that's apparently not a, yeah, and I see a lot of people being like, okay, well, now we need a Pike in the Enterprise uh, series now that we know that Anson Mount's not going to be around. But I don't know if there's actually any speculation for that. I don't, um, I or how much is just like, we love Pike, we need more Pike. Pike I, I love Pike, I want more Pike, but I don't know that I want three series in the same time. I think that might be a little much. 
if they would, well, whatever. Now we're just doing the whole thing of who, you know, would be really cool, but you know, what would be really cool <laughs> is if they, if they made a, a bike series that was somewhere between uh, TOS and the Orville, if they made a bike series that was going out and exploring and meeting new people, as opposed to, you know, continually fighting the fight of, you know, is Starfleet going to be Starfleet and then our enemies and, you know, all that stuff. If yeah. we had one that, if we had one that went out and explored again, that would be kind of neat. Yeah. And more number one. More number, more one, number one, please. More Do number you one, think, absolutely. Are we going to get number one before the, any more number one before the end of the season? Well, Rebecca hope. Romaine told uh, Sue when we interviewed her that she would be in more than one episode. So fingers well, she's crossed. Been in, she's been in two. Yeah. I, I feel like, oh, I don't know. I'm not counting on it at this point. I don't know how they would do it. Oh, and my cat's here. So hi. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was enough. Yeah, well, it's it, no, it, it wasn't close to enough. She she came, she had lunch, um, yeah. and then we actually left her there having lunch. So maybe she's still on Discovery, and she's she just sort of hanging back. The lunch. Oh yeah, no, it was fantastic. Yeah, nobody orders lunch like her. But yes, I was kind of hoping for a bit more from number one for that. Mm-hmm. Anything else on your mind tonight, Egan? No, I'm good. Thank you so much, Ken. Appreciate it. Uh, you guys have a very good evening. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833 uh, you can also use the one tap from your smartphone or you can join us through our uh, Facebook page facebook.com slash mission log pod uh, Karen is going to be up in just a second but I have a question for Jera yep did they miss a mother daughter thing here her mom is back. Her mom is back from the dead. Yeah. No, I mean, not back from the dead, but her mom is back and she thought her mom was gone. Now mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I've watched it a few times now. Her reaction to learning that her mom is alive um, is uh, well done. Um, mm-hmm. Martin green, very well mm-hmm. acted, very yeah. well done there. Um, should we give them a moment? I think that, they had a particularly effective moment when there's the switch um, in Gabrielle Burnham's attitude um, to when she says, you know, I remember you in your white dress the day that you graduated and then like tells her about all the times she was there. Um, that I think is powerful because we start, we actually see a flashback from her perspective. And I think by this point, we're used to seeing flashbacks from uh, Michael's perspective, a lot of which are equally devastating um, that it was neat to see that through Gabrielle's eyes. And uh, that was when like, it really hit home for me. And, you know, when they, they touch the hands across the force field, a la like Spock and Kirk, that was, mm-hmm. I think, very powerfully done. And when she reaches for her at the end, as she's being sucked into the wormhole, um, it just all felt kind of short, um, given that we've been chasing the Red Angel for 11 episodes. And um, yeah, I, I could have stood more. It, mm-hmm. it um, yeah, I, I felt a little, a little shortchanged. Um, not saying we're never going to see her again, but I, I don't know how they're going to get there. Um, yeah, I think Sonia sounded a really great job as the mother um she she had a really good she you could believe she was that time traveler super like badass but um covering up like this immense uh trauma that she's undergone and can't even imagine how she's still going um yeah it was good yeah they actually they they played that part pretty well even with the um mission logs 
again, she starts <laughs> off, you know, fairly energetically. Got to yeah. get back there. I got to do this. And I think it was by like seven hundred eighty something. She's just like you can you can tell in just the way that she's mm-hmm. acting. She's done. Yeah, I mean, she's not done. She has to keep going. But but I mean, you can definitely tell it's taken its toll. I love mm-hmm. I love that actress. Uh, um, I was a big fan of hers on The Wire. And forgive me, we talked about stuff before the show, and now I can't remember what we. <laughs> Sonia Sohn? On air and what was that for? Sonia Sohn, yes, but yeah. I can't remember if we talked about the wire thing before that. But she she was fantastic on that show. Um and she's good here. I like they didn't hire a look alike, but they hired somebody that was like I I can see them. I can see mm-hmm. them as mother and daughter. I just kinda wish we'd actually had a moment yeah. of them as mother and daughter. Might have yeah, I, I, yeah, I wish there had been a moment of them being able to embrace more than just touch hands through a force field or to have a moment that didn't feel so incredibly dire just, just for a second there. I did like that it helped that Spock has th- this empathy through um, understanding and listening to these logs as well and realizing his own uniqueness and um, that that relationship ha- continues to develop but I'm done with heavy-handed chess metaphors for this season, please. <laughs> I'd, I'd be surprised if you are, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or join us through our Facebook page. I don't know which one Karen has done. I'm the smartphone. I don't know why I'm, well, I do know why I'm guessing that, but Karen is, uh, is here with us now. Good evening, Karen. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, First, I just thought I'd answer a question you had earlier of why she moved to the church. And she said in one of her logs that that was her experiment to see if she could change the timeline. And she could. Okay. Did she answer how, by the way? Oh, no, no, no. How? All right. Tiny crystals. She did say why. Okay. Well, thank you very much for clearing that up. Because honestly, yeah, we all missed it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I had kind of a, I had a question for you guys to just, I was, of course, we hear all of the the nitpicking about the time travel and the whole uh, aspect of that, that people are like, well, why does this happen? Or why didn't that happen? Or whatever, you know. And I was thinking, I was watching City on the Edge of Forever the other night. And I'm like, well, if we applied today's <laughs> today's scrutiny to it, you would be like, okay, so why when the ship disappeared, were the people still on the planet? Okay, so we'll just accept they're protected by the planet. Why didn't at least their technology disappear? Okay, well, we'll just accept that. You know, we go into Spock building the... 40 vacuum tube powering of the tricorder. How does he have access to two timelines for two different newspaper articles? Well, we just accept that. And, you know, how did they get back? They had time to change. Did the guardian just show up? How, you know, I'm just saying, is it that we're too sophisticated in some ways now for some of these stories? Because some people I've heard talk who, who really do like a lot of the, of serious thinking of time travel for, you know, their science, you know, say that nobody really gets it right. And back to the future was so bad because it dumbed us down. And, uh, you know, but I'm like, at one point, 
we just enjoyed the relationships and the stories, which is what I think I really like about Discovery, because I just really have enjoyed this season. I don't know if I'll like it at the end, depending on what they do, but I have loved all the relationships. And Mm -hmm. just I'm wondering is, you know, what is your take on is some of our dissatisfaction with Discovery that in some ways we're so much more sophisticated now that we can never let anything go by. We can never just accept the science talk. You know, we have to call it techno babble or we have to, you know, and I just, I don't know if that's a legitimate question to ask, but it just occurred to me. I'm like, is that even something we can get past in a way? Or is it because of the serialized format in the episodic hmm. form? We're only looking at short periods of time. So we move on and then it's gone. So we didn't spend this kind of scrutiny that we do with a serialized story. I want to hear Jara's answer. Sure. Um, okay. Well, a couple of thoughts. Um, I'll just personally, just speaking about my experience watching Discovery is that um well, uh, the vast majority of weeks, I'm watching it with a group of two of my really close friends. And um, we've all been so wrapped up in the story. Um, we watch on Space Channel in Canada. So there's commercials and we get to the commercial and we're PVRing, fast forwarding. And we kind of look at each other and be like, um, was there a weird thing there? Ah, oh, well, and just go back, like, because we're so invested in the story and the characters. Um but, you know, then I rewatch the thing five times and those things jump out a little bit more. Um, mm. <laughs> and with this week's episode, I think I'm a little more nitpicky than usual because it didn't hold my attention to that extent. I, w- I would like count it in my bottom two of the season just in terms of not, it felt like a bit of filler to me. Um, so I, I did like the relationship stuff with, with Burnham and her mother and with Spock and Burnham. Um, but I felt like some of the humor maybe didn't land as well as some of the other episodes. Um, and just in terms of the story development, it felt that there was a lot of urgency, but not a lot of stuff actually happened, if that makes sense. So those, those types of things make that part of me come out a little bit more. Um, but in, t- in terms of like, have we changed fundamentally? I'm not a scientist. So, um, I'm definitely not, don't think like I'm more sophisticated than an audience that watched the original series. And I think there were people who were nitpicking in the original series as well. There's like letters you can find from science, scientists, um, to this, uh, to Roddenberry. Um, so maybe it's just that it's more widespread and there's more of a platform to talk about it. It's not just in letters between people and uh, in-person conversations. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for me, Karen, it's, it has more to do with how many times they've thrown red herrings our way. How many times, I mean, they, they, they do so much to try to trick they, the, the writers of discovery and uh, through both seasons have done so much to try like, oh, you didn't see that coming, that they pretty much made us hyper aware of every single thing that happens on the screen. And and because we have to be hyper aware, because they're constantly trying to like, oh, I didn't see that, um, then every hole, um, uh, rather than being a thing that we can go, oh, that's fine, uh, becomes sort of a gaping hole that you're like, well, why didn't they go back and fix that? Or does that mean something? Or is that going to come around to bite everybody, you know, in the backside? To your point about um, sitting on the edge of forever, it wasn't trying to set up a continuum or a continuation or like a long arc or whatever, right? Right. Um, 
it was it was a story and and maybe that's what it is maybe it's the episodic versus the serialized uh, kind of thing that you're talking about i mean what happened you know what happened the beginning of an episode of star trek did not affect the next episode of star trek unless you're talking about the menagerie and the menagerie part two that's it otherwise you know those things just sort of came and went and you can even say that for a large part of um tng it was only later that you know something that happened in you know the early part of the season might affect something that happened later um i don't know i mean i I think honestly they 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 primed us to nitpick at this point because is ash tyler a klingon is ash tyler not a klingon are they in the mirror universe is he good lorca is he bad lorca i mean this is this is the show that they've created now that I mean, there's you can't forgive anything because I don't mean you can't forgive anything, but I mean you can't just be like, oh well, that's just whoops, you know, because any mistake could actually be something that was like, oh, you didn't see that, which of course you know we're all watching it and then we're rewatching it and rewatching it. So in the words of uh, Patrick Stewart, we've seen everything. <clears throat> is there anything else? Is there anything else on your mind tonight, Karen? Uh, the one other thing I was going to comment on from earlier about the Pike series, which I would totally watch. And I do think it would be their opportunity to capture some of the people who want the more episodic adventure. And you could still do it better than previously where you dropped everything and never had any development or never brought something back. You know, I think there is a way to do that. And I think that'd be a perfect platform to grab back some of the people who like that storytelling. Um, but the interesting thing to me was the Paley Fest interviews. And I don't know if either of you saw it when they were interviewing Ethan Peck. Uh, I think it was Trek movie asked him one, they asked him, are you coming back for season three? And he kind of grinned and said, well, I, I can't say. So that was interesting to me. So, you know, there's no solidity in that, but, it's like, well, is there going to be a continuation? Is something going to happen? But the other thing was they said they asked about a, a Pike series and he really did not do a poker face and said, I can't say. So I think they've talked about it at least. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like to me that there has been talk about it. But of course, there's no firm anything. So I just thought that was interesting. And I didn't know if you saw that, but it definitely was. It sounds to me like. There have been conversations, anyhow. I would, I, I would, I would watch a Pike series all day long. I mean, <laughs> I absolutely. Mean, what, but of course, what I would want is, you know, to do something in in the spirit of um, in the spirit of TNG or TOS or something like that. Yeah, and that's their perfect opportunity. They have mm-hmm. very likable characters that people have responded to enormously well. I mean, even people who don't really like the show, like Pike, and mm-hmm. and actually. I'm hearing a lot of favorability for Spock. Everybody wants number one. And it's your opportunity to have the not quite a serialized show. I, I would think it would capture a big broad swath of those Orville people. That, that would be that would be that would be a great thing to see because I, I would also watch the Orville all day long. So if they're concerned as well, there's already one of those on TV. I'd watch two of those. I mean, heck, what are there like nine NCISs? Or at least there were at one point. I'm not really? sure. Seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Karen, we. Niche go, viewing. I'm today, sorry. Say again. Today is built on niche viewing, so mm-hmm. I don't yeah. see a problem. But all right, thanks, guys. Thanks for Th- talking. Thanks, to Karen. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Hey, we've got uh, three more callers lined up, so I'm going to stop giving out the phone number, which might be a mistake. 
But we've got three more callers lined up. So why don't we go ahead and do that? Uh, Kim is on the line next. Good evening, Kim. Kim? Yeah, I'm here. Oh. Hey, hey, how's it going tonight? Uh, great. Um, good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. What's on your mind tonight? So um, this last episode was like extremely over-emotional for a Star Trek series of any any of them, right? How do you mean? I, I well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Sonequa's performance was great, but I don't think we've ever seen that kind of emotional kind of outpour being done by anybody in any of this any of the Star Treks ever. Hmm. Yeah, maybe not since there are four lights. Yeah. Well, he yeah. was being tortured. Then again, you could argue that the whole cast of Discovery is being tortured too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly okay. traumatized. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a better yeah. term. Yes, that's a better term. So, so that being said, I said th- this episode was the acting by everybody involved Tanikwa, everybody was like exceptional. I mean, I was sitting there kind of going, wow. I, I was sitting here kind of going, uh, do, do I buy into this? But yeah, I'm going to buy into it because the acting was that good. So, uh, so let me ask you a question. Are you saying that it was too emotional or are you just commenting on the level? Uh, I think the level was a little high. Okay. Uh, honestly, but I bought into it because Sonequa kind of sold it. Hmm. Thoughts, Joe? Um, I think she sold it as well. I do have some friends who um, have been watching Discovery who um, feel like this season it was like they forgot that she was she grew up on Vulcan because the the way that she was established in especially the first four episodes of season one was very that she was having trouble connecting with people and that seems to have really gone out the window. But honestly, um, I I think. I'm I'm fine with where her character is now. And a lot of Star Trek's have had those types of issues with characters around the first season. Like, I mean, super cranky Picard comes to mind. Um, so um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, and I think it's also reflective of a place where we're at in TV today that you can have a woman protagonist who's able to show that level of emotion. Cause I know that when um, they were doing Voyager, that um, that was something that Kate Mulgrew wanted for her character, but, they didn't really feel like they could do that with the first woman captain without everyone saying like, Oh, she's too emotional. She can't be in charge of a ship. Hmm. So I think I want, it's positive. I want a super cranky Picard to be the name of the card series, but Oh yeah. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. I'd buy I, that I think shirt. It's going to be called cranky Picard and the youngins. Oh, nice. I like that. And then, Oh, and then it's a crossover to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, uh, Starfleet Academy series. Cranky <laughs> Picard and the youngins. Oh, he's the crusty Dean. And they're the kids with hearts of gold or something. Yeah. Uh, what else is on your mind tonight, Kim? Uh, you know, the only other thing I've got is that the production of this series is awesome. The yeah. acting is awesome. And regardless of whether or not it's violating canon, whatever that C word, you know, whatever. It, you know, the whole thing is great. 
it's Star Trek and just roll with it, everybody. Fair enough. Uh, thank you very much for calling in and uh, do give us a call back again, okay? Yeah, awesome. Uh, we got two more callers lined up. We got Keith and we got Brendan. We're going to try to get to both of them in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I do want to remind you about something to do after our show. Please stay on Facebook. Not something I say often, but please stay on Facebook and catch a live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, you know, all the kids, cool kids, share have live shows. I'm just saying. <laughs> have, you, have you guys thought about it? It's um... well, it's challenging being in three different time zones. Uh, yeah, I get, I get that. Uh, every Tuesday night, 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony, although I think Anthony is out tonight, uh, but Elijah and Kenna will be here bringing you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. It's TV and movie news. It's gaming news. It's literary reviews, plus a whole lot more. They kick off a half an hour after we sign off. So grab a snack, grab a, grab a tasty beverage. Come back and watch Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens, facebook.com slash Priority One podcast. And if you can't catch it live, or even if you can catch it live, uh, do, of course, uh, download it too, wherever you get podcasts, because who doesn't like more podcasts? <laughs> uh, let's see. We got, uh, we got, uh, I'm sorry, Keith. Keith is on the line. Good evening, Keith. Keith is muted, I believe. Can you hear me now? Keith is unmuted, I believe. What's on your mind, Keith? <laughs> Sorry, the wire came unplugged. Okay. Uh, hey, Ken. Hey, Jared. Good to see you tonight. Uh, all right. I got to try to be quick here because I know we're short on time. Two ideas and a question. First idea. Going back on your idea from a few weeks back, Ken, I still think I, I think that's highly possible that Michael does end up getting in the Red Angel suit at some point. Because of the things that Dr. Burnham, Mama Burnham, couldn't, uh, didn't understand, like the seven lights. Mm. And, and plus, going, I, the very first uh, light going to save Jet and get the chunk of the asteroid, which was then useful for saving Terra Elysium, and then, of course, saving the Kelpians, that stuff doesn't track with what Mama Burnham would, would seem to be doing. So, I, I wonder if that's Michael in the red suit doing in the red angel suit doing that. It would explain, uh, it would explain Culber's whole thing too about, yeah, no, that's definitely your biosignature. And then like, yeah. Oh, well, it was kind of your mom's biosignature. It would actually explain. <laughs> yeah. That. The mitochondria DNA. Nah, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Second idea. I would love it for a mini series, three of three episodes, Pike's final mission. In the final mission of Pike, number oh, number one, and Spock before Kirk takes over the Enterprise and your way. Interesting. Just um, the only problem I have there is I'm afraid that they might end up showing us Kirk, which I really don't want. I don't. There's been enough recasting already, and I, I kind of don't need to see another Kirk. They, they could well, just show him us the uh, job posting process. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Or they could do like they did in um, in Star Trek Online, I believe it was, where because they couldn't get Shatner, uh, so they just had Kirk laying on the ground, or maybe it was maybe it was behind him. I can't remember which, but they had something where basically it was like, yeah, we can't show you Kirk, so we're not gonna. We're just gonna show you what just obviously would be Kirk if he were. You said or, you haven't had a question, Keith. Well, yeah. Or the last shot of the final episode is them all standing in the transporter room, him about to beam on, and you hear the the beam in sound, and it fades to black. 
I'd be okay with that. Actually, that would actually be kind of that'd be kind of poetic and clever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question: Is regular mission log back this week? Uh, well, no, not this week because John's in Europe. Ah, so okay. I don't have an answer for you on exactly when that'll be. Uh, okay, we should have an answer. I would imagine by next Tuesday we'll have an answer on exactly when that'll be, and it might even be next Thursday. But I can't. Uh, no, not also, this. Week. Any day now, the Red Angel is coming back with 841 mission logs. <laughs> You'll have more than you That's can true. handle. That's true. Although they really seem like they would be very boring, didn't they? Well, I, I, said in the, I said in the comment section, if you had the drinking game of drinking every time someone said mission log, you'd be dead right now. <laughs> That's true. That's true, which is not something we encourage. Uh, death. Yeah. No, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you very much, sir. I hate to rush this, but I'm going to try no to get Brandon on as well. Thank you very much for calling in, Keith. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, can we get Brandon really quickly? Is Brandon there? Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Brandon? I will try to be quick. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to bring up Section 31 really quick. They have been extremely diabolical, in my opinion. And in Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, they show up, but they've always been kind of mysterious. We did, we've never known too much about them, and we're getting the deep dive here in Discovery. Um, as far as Starfleet goes, they've always been kind of a hopeful outlook on the future of humankind. Um, and to have the kind of secret backbone of Starfleet be this, you know, no holds bar, we'll do anything, morals out the window kind of group is kind of unsettling to me. And I'm not very happy with uh, where they seem to be taking things with Section 31. I was curious what you guys think about this. Yeah. Um, I I don't necessarily have a problem with Section 31 being in the the show. Um, I think though that there is they need to to play it right and to show how Star Starfleet how the Federation becomes better than Section 31 and uh, not willing to tolerate that kind of stuff. And so far we haven't got there, but I think worse is that in all the events around like project Daedalus and um, you know, okay, so we found all these dead admirals and then we know that section 31's program is going to try and kill everyone in the universe. So we're going to make everyone run like a spyware check. And we're just going to trust all the section 31 captains that they got it handled. I think that was the like, dumbest decision that they had Starfleet make in this season. And it just makes them look kind of, I don't know. I just feel like it makes them look not very competent like, or vigilant to those types of risks, um, even after they're pretty in your face. So I'm hoping that they, I guess, do that a little bit more justice. Um, Brandon, I want you to call back earlier sometime because I would like to have a longer conversation about this. And I'd like for John to be in on it too. Not that I don't appreciate Jarrah's input, but John and I spend a lot of time talking about Section 31 off mic as well, and yeah. I'd love it if you called back earlier. I will tell you, uh, you and I, um, in, in the parlance of the, uh, of the space hippies, we reach. Because yeah. okay. my, my biggest problem that I have is they keep normalizing Section 31 on this show. Mm. Now it turns out, oh, well, there was this really bad element that it turns out was just the AI, so we're going to get rid of the AI 
and that's going to make Section 31 okay. And that doesn't make Section 31 okay, in my opinion. That that means you've still got, you know, uh, gangsters walking around doing gangster stuff, except they're yeah. wearing badges and they're claiming to be the good guys. And yeah, exactly. There's, you know, so that's me. And and and, and do give us a call back again because I would love to have a I would love to have much longer talk about Section 31 stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's they seem to be in the forefront of Discovery's plotline and. Uh, well, I mean, CBS is already, I mean, indications are that they're going to do a Section 31 show like we were talking about earlier. So you cannot have them be bad guys, right? They can be, they yeah. can be you know, sort of dark. I mean, it's like, it's like uh, the CBS uh, version of Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O in the late 60s, early 70s was, was full of police brutality, but we apparently didn't know better at the time is what we're supposed to think now. But the thing is now it's, it's, it, we're in the teens of, of the following century and, and Hawaii five. Oh, I haven't watched it in a number of years, but the remake is still full of police brutality. So mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of questions that could be answered about modern day television. Sadly, we have completely run out of time, but do th- I, I do thank you, Brandon, for calling back in and please, uh, or, or for calling in and please give us a call again sometime. Uh, Jarrah, thank you very much. Jarrah, please tell everybody uh, where they can find you and where they can find Women at Warp and all that fun stuff. Okay, well, you can find me on Twitter at Jarrah Penguin, and I also have a website, trekkiefeminist.com, and Women at Warp is at womenatwarp.com and at Women at Warp on all the various social medias that are popular. And of course, uh, I'll mention this again in a moment, but podcast.roddenberry.com would be a great place. We link through there, I think, to your site and where people mm. can subscribe and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, and um, when we're done with all of this uh, discovery business, we'll have to have uh, you and Sue and Grace and Andy and who knows who else uh, join us again. For sure. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Earl Green. Uh, Be sure to visit, as I said, podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Priority One, The Trek Files, and Women at Warp. What, what? (laughs) If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, uh, that'd be fantastic. Patreon.com slash Mission Log is the place to do that. Thanks to everybody who's joined us live or later, and we'll talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.